Well, every blessing to you all and welcome back to my open air pulpit. Somewhat grey, somewhat overcast, somewhat depressing, which in a odd sort of a way fits into the subject in hand. And for today, Lord willing, I want to speak about heretics and call this message the heretic. Please go to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1 and look at verse 10 if you will. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. In the context, Jews, for the most part unsaved, and yet there were some saved Jews in the early church, Acts chapter 15, that were going around teaching a faith and works package, and by doing so were nullifying the grace of God. If you think of the time when the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to the Pharisees over in Mark chapter 7, about washing hands, cups and plates, so on and so forth. He said, listen, you guys have got your traditions and your traditions are clashing with Scripture, like the Catholics, uh, their traditions are clashing with the Scripture. And every time the Pharisees' traditions would clash with the Scripture and every time Catholic traditions clash with the Scripture, they nullify the Scripture and Almighty God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, second member of the Godhead, second member of the Trinity, would lambast such heretics, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy Lucas' sake. Make sure you sign on the dotted line. Please stand with us. Keep your tithes coming in. Click on the donate box. Make your checks payable to etc, etc, etc. So for the context, the first century, the church is predominantly Jewish. All of the apostles were saved Jews. No Catholics, no Protestants, no Baptists, no Escapalians, no Seventh-day Adventists, no Mormons, no Jehovah's Witnesses. All saved Jews, if you will, Messianic Jews. And the flip side to that, you had the unbelieving Jews in their tens of thousands going around saying that Jesus, he was this, that Jesus, he was that. He wasn't really the son of God. He wasn't really the son of man. He didn't really do his miracles. He didn't really raise the dead, etc, etc, etc. And the apostles had quite a lot to say about that, which maybe I'll discuss this morning. But here, starting from Titus 1.10, it says how there are many, not just some, but many unruly and vain talkers, and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Jews boasting in their lineage, and they would say this, well, we are Moses' disciples, and we go right back to Moses, and the Lord said, well, that may be all very well, but you don't really love me, because had you loved me, you too would have rejoiced to see my day. And they said, well, we also follow Abraham, we are his descendants, and again, the same response came from the mouth, of the Messiah. Well, if that's the case, you should be rejoicing that I am here. And the entire chapter, John chapter 5, deals with this. Well, for today, the Catholics also like to boast about their lineage, quote-unquote, and they say, well, we are uh, following the Pope, and he follows uh, all of the other Popes, going right back to Peter, the so-called first Pope, quote-unquote. I mean, talk about nothing new under the sun. Isn't that what Solomon said? And the Lord Jesus Christ would clip the wings of the unbelieving 
self-righteous puffed up Jews and Bible-believing Christians have been clipping the wings of unbelieving, self-righteous, puffed up Catholics. But we have the Pope, they say. We have the councils, we have the church fathers, and they adopt the church fathers as their own. And yet some of those church fathers are very critical of modern Catholicism. Not all of the church fathers believed in the Eucharist, being the literal body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the flesh profits you nothing. Your flesh won't profit you anything. And if Jesus Christ was standing right here now, and I was to attempt to eat his flesh, literally, or drink his blood, literally, it wouldn't benefit me at all. And yet Catholics believe they are doing just that every time they go to Mass. And of course, you know that when somebody drinks blood or eats flesh, they are a cross between a cannibal and a vampire. But here, Paul is speaking to, on the one hand, legalistic Jews, going back to Acts chapter 15, that church conference, not a council, that church conference, and you've got a group of Jews, possibly saved, and I'll discuss that this morning, saying, well, Jesus Christ, yes, he is our Messiah, and yes, we believe on him, but by the way, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to remain in a state of grace, you've got to confess your sins to a priest, and yes, I'm slightly exaggerating, but they were adding to the gospel, or the grace of God, and old Peter gets up and he says, no, listen, we've made it very clear that the Gentiles are not expected to keep the feast days, to abstain from foods, so on and so forth, because the covenants concerning the prohibition of foods and the feast days were given to the Jews, going back to the book of Exodus. And again, please join me this coming Sunday when I will attempt, God willing, to finish Exodus chapter 12. The other side, of course, is dealing with unbelieving Jews going around trying to trip people up like Muslims do and atheists and Darwinists. They don't like the idea that someone like myself or someone like you, if you are born again, knows that our salvation has been dealt with at the cross, like all of our past, present and future sins. Look at 12. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own said, the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. The Catholics are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Okay, I'm taking liberty. But you see where I'm going with this. The Apostle Paul is trying to push back the works righteous brigade that would nullify the gospel of the grace of God. And grace means God's righteousness, God's riches at Christ's expense. When he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. He would say, Father, into thy hands I commend, commit my spirit. John the Baptist would say, behold, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world. You can't take the sin of the world away. If you are a Catholic priest, you can't take people's sins away. You can't forgive people's sins. Salvation has always been found in Christ, not church. 13. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. But we go right back to Abraham, they say. We go right back to Moses, they say. We go right back to Pope Sylvester, Pope Constantine, Pope Peter. And Paul says, it's vain, it's the commandments of men, like man-made, 
like the Catholic Church's catechism, is man-made. If you're not following the Bible, you're following the words of men. And like I said last time, yes, some of the church leaders, also referred to as fathers, had some good things like Irenaeus, I think it was Irenaeus, and Irenaeus would write against the Gnostics. And he wrote a book called Against Heresy. And in Irenaeus's book, he took the Gnostics to task. And he said this, he said, the Bible is God's final word to the world. Because the Gnostics, like the Catholics today, were going around saying, but there's still truths outside of Scripture. God still speaks to people outside of Scripture. And Irenaeus said, no, that is heresy. And he shut their mouths. And over the centuries, Bible-believing Christians, predominantly ex-Catholics like myself, have also been shutting the mouths of Catholics. Because they too are guilty of verse 11, subverting whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, like pray the rosary, do the novenas, like go to mass, like do your penance, like try and atone for your sins. There's something about mankind which resents Almighty God, of course that goes back to our fallen states, but on top of that, there's something about mankind that detests the idea that someone, being Jesus Christ, has covered their sins. And they have to do something. Now I can understand that if you are saved, and if you are saved, get out and get busy for the Lord. But if you're not saved, don't think you can save yourself. Giving heed, verse 14, to Jewish fables, contrast that to Catholic fables, and commandments of men, going back to church councils like Nicaea, Trent, and others, that turned from the truth, Jesus Christ, of course, is the truth, unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Every time a Catholic prays to Mary, speaks to Mary, prays to a saint or prays to saints, every time a Catholic gets on their knees in preparation to receive the Eucharist, or in preparation to receive the chalice, they are in unbelief, they are defiled, and their conscience is defiled. What a terrible statement. In fact, the word defiled is found twice in verse 15. But in the context, going back to the first century, unbelieving Jews kicking against the cross of Christ, blaspheming him, insulting him, wanting to kill his apostles, read Revelation 17 when you get a chance, and Revelation 18, it speaks about how one day Almighty God is going to destroy the whore on the seven mountains, and of course you know the whore is the Roman Catholic Church, and it says he would do so, or one of the reasons he does so is to avenge the death of the apostles and prophets, because Rome, going back to pagan Rome, killed all of the apostles, including the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Lord returns, second advent, Rome is once again calling the shots. And the Antichrist will be connected to papal Rome. 16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. But I pray to Mary, I fast, I am a good Catholic, I spend hours in prayer, meditation, I go into a trance, 
And I pray to St. Francis of Assisi, I pray to St. Christopher, I pray to this person, I pray to that person. It's a man-made religion. It's all about man. It's about the flesh of man. You don't believe me? Go to Speaker's Corner sometime. In fact, I challenge anybody who lives in the London area to go to Speaker's Corner. Just go one Sunday afternoon, around midday to probably six, seven in the evening, and just listen to the conversations. Just observe what is being spoken from Jews, Muslims, and sometimes Catholics. It's all, in essence, the same thing. You have to do this, you have to do that, you have to be good, and if you are good, you go to heaven, and if you are bad, you go to hell. It's all the same thing. It's a works-based system. And such, according to the Bible, is heresy. They profess that, they know God, and Catholics will say that. In fact, most Catholics, most religious Catholics, are able to tick the main box, like virgin birth, tick. Deity of Christ, tick. Resurrection of Christ, tick. Second coming of Christ, tick. And yet they won't put their faith in the shed blood of Christ alone for their salvation. Chapter 3, chapter 3, look at verse 3. For we ourselves also are sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. There's a picture of you and I before we are saved and before we were saved. Before I was saved, I was very much into myself. I was a Catholic. I went to Mass on a regular basis. I served Mass. And just for the record, if you want to know something about Roman Catholicism, speak to somebody who used to be a Catholic. Don't speak to somebody who's never been a Catholic, who's never been to Mass a day in their life. Speak to somebody who used to be a Catholic. Or if you want, speak to a practicing Catholic. Get it from the horse's mouth. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, God our Saviour. What would Mary say? I rejoice in God my Saviour. She was a sinner. And also this is a great verse to affirm the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, something which is constantly being attacked by Muslims and Jews. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, past tense, by the washing of regeneration, new birth, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The flesh profits nothing. It's a gift. It's a free gift. And yet, far too many people reject it, mock it, and by doing so, damn themselves and others. Which he shed on us abundantly, through Jesus Christ our Saviour. Is he your Saviour? Are you trusting in him alone? Now, of course, if you are a Catholic, the answer would be no, because you have to stay in a state of grace. You have to go to Mass on a regular basis. You have to be baptised to commence your salvation. And like most people today, most heretics today, they go around saying, well, grace is all very well, but are you walking with the Lord? Are you constantly walking? with the Lord? Are you producing fruit? Nothing wrong with that, incidentally, but don't use that as some kind of a marker. Don't use that as some, as some kind of a checklist to make sure whether or not somebody is even saved. I've already spoken about the sin unto death. That being justified, exonerated, 
by his grace, God's righteousness at Christ's expense, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So you take chapter one, you take chapter three. Paul is kicking against heretics, heresies, people that would seek to undermine what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. It says how God was in Christ, reconciling the word unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And he goes on to say, and be ye reconciled to God. You see, it's like this. Before you were born, you had no say as to where you would be born, what sex you would be, the colour of your skin, where, when, or how you would be born. It was decided by your father and mother. And the same is true of your salvation. It's all dependent upon your Lord and your God, my Lord and my God, our Lord and our God. It's supernatural. You had no say in the creation of the world. Almighty God made the world for his own pleasure and glory. Revelation chapter 4. Your parents decided to bring you into this life. You had no say in that. And God has made it possible to save the world. He's granted repentance to Jew and Gentile. He's drawn all men, a term for mankind, unto himself. And now he waits to see who is going to receive him, who's going to believe on him. Justified by his grace, you can't uh, work for it. You can't lose it. We should be made heirs, picturing predestination, also feeding into the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, something which is kicked against, according to the hope of eternal life. So I love these verses because they shut the mouths of heretics, and there are probably three areas that all heretics are guilty of. Number one, they attack and they misrepresent and misunderstand the nature of God. Number two, they will attack how we are saved. And number three, they will attack the Word of God. If I go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's not difficult to spot a heretic. You were told to mark them out from, uh, I think it's Revelation, I make that uh, Romans, uh, Romans uh, 16. Mark them out, warn others. Paul told you clearly and has shown you to rebuke them sharply. And some people don't like the idea of others being rebuked. They say, you've got to love people. You can love someone and still rebuke them. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. And Rome says this, they say, well, yes, we do believe that the New Testament is the word of God. And the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that, and the Mormons believe that, and Protestantism believes that. And then they turn around Rome, the JWs, the Mormons, and other groups and sects, and say, but by the way, don't forget, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and they nullify the word of God. Going back to the Pharisees, very upright, they dressed in a particular way like Catholic priests dress, and they went around very boastful, very prideful, look at me, I am such and such, I'm able to do this, I can speak uh, Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. And the Lord says, you're like dead men's bones. Outwardly, you're very religious, but inwardly, dead man's, dead men's, dead bones, completely kaput. 
For we are not as many, not just some, but many, which corrupt the word of God. They say, well, the Bible is all very well. Uh, and then they turn around and start promoting the NIV or the ESV or the New King James, which attacks the King James Bible. For we are not as many, like most of the Alexandrian cult, which corrupt the word of God, the precious, everlasting word, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. So the heretic will question the nature of God, he will misrepresent the nature of God, the chances are he will kick against the Trinity, and just for the record, the Catholic says, yes, Trinity, tick, believe that, but the devil also believes in the Trinity, he also believes in the virgin birth, <coughs> he also believes in the resurrection, he also believes in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the devil obviously isn't trusting in that, in fact the devil, just for the record, cannot be redeemed, but for people today, religious people today, Catholic, Mormon, JWs, apostate, Protestantisms, Protestantism, excuse me, they believe all of the above, but not trusting in Christ's atonement alone. They are adding to the gospel of the grace of God, like the Pharisees would do. If you take the time to read the book of Acts, and I was able to uh, teach through the entire book of Acts, maybe two years ago, it took me, I think from memory, 59 weeks, and it was a great blessing to do that. And I showed very clearly how James, the Lord's half-brother, was also guilty at times of bouncing back into heresy. Simon Peter would also temporarily be guilty of teaching heresy. And yes, you can be a heretic and still be saved. You weren't born again as a heretic. You developed into a heretic if you are a heretic. You weren't born a Calvinist. You became a Calvinist. You weren't born an Arminian. You became an Arminian. You progressed into one of those two camps. And if you are saved, praise the Lord for that. But that doesn't mean you can't be guilty temporarily or even permanently of being a heretic. Simon Peter was saved. And yet, go to Galatians chapter 2, read it sometime. He was teaching heresy. And one of the uh, church canon lawyers, a guy named Grattan, said that Simon Peter, this is a Catholic, not a Christian, this is a Catholic, he said Simon Peter was guilty of preaching another gospel, and it may have been Luther who said yes, and also this would be the second time that Simon Peter would deny the Lord Jesus Christ. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, Jews are guilty of this, they corrupt the New Testament, they kick against the New Testament. Catholics are guilty of this. They undermine one's trust and faith in the entire Bible. They will say this, well, we can't, you can't trust uh, Genesis chapter 1 or Genesis chapter 2, meaning you can't really trust that account of creation. You don't literally believe it was six literal days, do you? Surely you know that it is in reference to time periods, and they teach theistic evolution, a cop-out, and they shatter the faith of a person's faith in the Word of God. And yet you take them to John chapter 6, like I did last week, and start to read that to them. All of a sudden, they're fundamentalists. Oh no, 
you must take John 6 literally. But hold on a minute. Genesis 1 and 2, you say isn't literal. And elsewhere, it isn't literal. And yet you insist on John 6 being literal. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Or Matthew 16, upon this rock will I build my church. Oh yes, that has to be taken literally. But how about Revelation 10? John, take the book, eat it. Oh no, that's figurative language. You can't have it both ways. But of course they do have it both ways. Like the JWs, like the Mormons. Go to Galatians chapter 1. So the heretic will attack the nature of God. He will question the triunity of God. And hopefully, Lord willing, down the line, I will do a video on the Trinity, a term uh, first coined by <coughs> Dottilian, from memory, simply meaning tri-unity. Tri being three, unity being one. One God, three persons. And here's the thing, when you find someone who attacks the Trinity, the chances are, not always, but the chances are that they will also attack the deity of Christ, the deity of the Holy Ghost, and will probably attack everlasting hell, and also attack eternal security. I spent many years speaking to people in the streets, and most of the religious people that I speak from Christendom seem to have a problem with the Trinity. You don't find many people saying, what about celibacy in the Catholic priesthood? What about the Mass or the Eucharist? What about this? What about that? It's always about the Trinity. And I find that people who can't comprehend the Trinity, I won't say are unsaved because you got saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, by receiving his atonement for your sins. But I will say this, that to be a consistent saved saint, to be a mature saved saint, to be a blessing to the brethren, you will need to be a Trinitarian, and on top of that, a King James Bible believer. The moment you turn from the belief, the fact that God is three persons but one God, you become unstable, you become insecure, you become inconsistent, you become unreliable, and you start to contradict yourself because you are denying a biblical truth. And the Trinity is a biblical truth, not a Catholic truth. Listen, people say this, they say, well, the Trinity is a Catholic doctrine. That is incorrect. But let's just say for argument's sake that it's a Catholic belief. The Catholics believe in the resurrection of Christ. Now, should we kick out the resurrection of Christ because they believe in it? Of course not. They believe in the virgin birth. Should we kick out the virgin birth because they believe in it? Of course not. They believe in the second coming of Christ. Should we kick out the second coming of Christ because they believe in it? Of course not. You will find truths in even false religions. Go back to Judaism. Most Jews, religious Jews, believe in the Old Testament. Should we kick out the Old Testament because they believe in the Old Testament as well? Should we kick out the Old Testament just because they don't believe in Jesus Christ? Of course not. The Muslims speak about Mary in the Quran. Should we kick out our belief or should we throw out our belief concerning Mary because Muslims believe so in their Quran? Of course not. That makes no sense whatsoever. Something is either true or it's not. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Look at verse 8. But though we, or an angel from heaven, 
preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Never mind the Council of Trent, which says, and still they still stand by this, if a person trusts in Christ alone for their salvation without any works, let him be accursed, let him be anathema. And by doing that, by the way, Rome have cursed themselves. Never mind that man-made uh, council back in the 16th century. Here, the Apostle Paul, who was inspired, the church fathers weren't inspired. The reformers weren't inspired. I'm not inspired. You're not inspired. This book is inspired. And here Paul says, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He's even including himself and the apostles. He's saying, if you hear someone from the realm of uh, the angelic world, Think of Moroni sometime, approaching um, Joseph Smith. Think of uh, Gabriel approaching Muhammad, or so we have been led to believe. And he says, if an angel comes to you with any other gospel than what you have received, let such an angel person be accursed. And he even includes the apostles feeding into chapter 2. And it's my belief that Peter was certainly saved, but for a period of time, was out of fellowship with the Lord, was boasting in his Jewish roots with uh, Barnabas and saying to saved Gentiles, by the way, guys, you too need to watch what you eat. You too need to keep the Sabbath. You too need to keep the feast days. A complete contradiction from Acts chapter 15. And when Paul got wind of that, he got the whip out like Jesus Christ would do back in the temple. But though we or an angel from heaven Contrast that to churches today, heretics today, deceivers, going back to Titus chapter 1. Preach, speak, promote any other gospel, meaning of a different kind, unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let them be accursed, meaning everlasting hellfire. Because this is how serious this can be. If you are a heretic, you are preaching a false gospel. And if people receive a false gospel, they're going to go to hell. And if you are sponsoring a ministry or a minister or a church which is promoting heresies, you'll be severely judged if you're saved at the judgment seats and if you're not saved at the great white throne judgments. So here's the thing. Find a ministry if you want. Find a church if you want. Find a group of believers if you want, and ask them what they believe. Try and get a statement of faith from them. That's not always very easily, that's not always very easy, and also people can lie about what they believe. Most Bible schools, most Bible colleges will say, we believe the Bible is the Word of God, and put in brackets the KJV, and then people go along to those schools and they start to take the KJV apart. I remember hearing a story that Rutman told years ago. He said uh, one of Ian Paisley's children, maybe his daughter, he's got two sons, and I think two daughters, maybe one, I may be wrong, but one of Paisley's uh, children went to Bob Jones's school in America, and old Ian Paisley, this bold Calvinist, took the Pope on, called him the Antichrist, took the government on in the House of the Parliament, and was kicked out of Parliament by the Speaker of the House, very bold and brash street preacher. And I mean, he did let rip 
And yet when it came to Bob Jones, when it came to the King James Bible, he was terrified of Jones. Terrified of Jones. And, and apparently, according to uh, Rutman, he said to one of his, uh, one of Rutman's friends, Paisley this is, he said to one of Rutman's friends, oh yes, I believe that the King James Bible is the word of God. And I agree with Rutman's position on the King James Bible, which I won't get into this morning. But basically, Rutman's position was, this is the infallible word of God, which I certainly agree with. And yet Jones didn't believe that for one moment, and Paisley was too much of a coward to challenge uh, Jones, because Paisley's daughter was at Bob Jones's uh, Bible school. So it's not always as simple as you think. Many people say, yes, I believe in everlasting or eternal security, once saved, always saved, and then turn around and say, he's not really saved. She's not really saved. He lost his salvation. She lost her salvation. No real child of God would do what she's doing or what he is doing. And they start to talk you out of your salvation. Which is what the Lordship, uh, Lordship salvation people like to do. Nothing wrong with being holy, righteous, living a clean life. You should do that if you want peace of mind. If you want joy. If you want to make a difference to people all around you. But don't think just by being a holy pure, uh, sin-abstaining kind of a person that you are better than anybody else when it comes to your salvation. You are not. Nine, as we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So you can say this, what do you believe when it comes to the nature of God? What do you believe when it comes to the... Uh, atonement and what do you believe when it comes to the bible what's your final authority do you believe this is the word of god is this your final perfect inerrant authority most bible seminaries would say no they would say the king james is a wonderful translation but and they go over to the greek and they uh, lose people the moment they do that because most people can't speak coiny greek you say to rome what's your final authority we are we are the final authority, the Holy Father. And you say, really? Yes, the Holy Father, they say, is their final authority. And you say the same to a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, a oneness person. What's your final authority? We are our own final authority. Going back to the Pharisees. They thought they were their own final authority. And the Lord said no. And he took them to task. But here, uh, eight and nine... The second time the Apostle Paul, as an Apostle, would put a curse on somebody. Just for the record, when it comes to putting a curse or an anathema on someone, you can't really do that unless you are or were an Apostle. Meaning only the Apostles could put a curse or curses on someone. When you find somebody or a group of people going around saying, let him be anathema, like Trent, or hellfire for such and such, like the sons of Zebedee, back in the Gospels, or what the uh, JWs and the Mormons teach, uh, truth is found solely in our system, and if you don't uh, affiliate yourselves with us, you'll be consumed at Armageddon. That's a good old uh, scare tactic from the JWs. You're dealing with self-appointed so-called prophets, self-appointed apostles. Only the apostles 
had the authority to write the New Testament and issue anathemas, curses, so on and so forth. What you can do, if you are saved, is warn unsaved people that unless they repent, they will perish. But you can't go beyond that because you don't have all of the facts. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And that's what this is all about. They want to please each other. Catholic priests and bishops and cardinals want to please the Pope, the papacy. And the papacy wants to please the cardinals, the bishops. It's like a circular way of thinking. Colleges, Bible seminaries want to please each other. They want to stay in with each other. They don't want to stand alone. And that's why the King James Bible especially is ridiculed. It's attacked. It's made fun of. And if you take a stand for the King James Bible, which Paisley wasn't prepared to do, you would be ostracised. And Paisley was why that his daughter would perhaps be kicked out of Bob Jones or ridiculed during her seminary classes. And old Paisley had no qualms taking the Pope to task, the Speaker of the House of Commons, I think it was Betty Boothroyd, uh, from memory. He had no problems about standing on street corners or arguing and clashing with Sinn Féin, IRA, long before he teamed up with Martin McGuinness. That was no problem whatsoever for the big man from Ulster. But when it came to the King James, when it came to Bob Jones, oh, be careful. I can't afford to fall out with Bob Jones. He will ridicule me. He will call me a Rutmanite. He will call me a King James only believer. He will ridicule my daughter, so on and so forth. And as a result, he was a coward. But from the standpoint of the nature of God, leading up to how we are saved, we need to be aware what the truth is. And you were told from the book of Jude to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You need to take a stand. You want to do something for the Lord? Take a stand. Defend the nature of God. Stand up for the atonement, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. But for most people, they don't want to do that because it's hard work. They don't want to be humiliated, shunned and made to look like uh, being a moron, what have you, and as a result they capitulate and I'm sorry to say become a heretic and they go around teaching faith and works, messages from the Lord outside of the scriptures and they go against Irenaeus who like I say will take on the Gnostics back in the second century and today Bible believing Christians are doing the work of Irenaeus defending the scriptures. So I hope this has been of help to you just a very general uh, and simple message looking at Titus, 2 Corinthians and also Galatians. And like I say, yes, technically speaking, a heretic can be a saved person, which makes them even more dangerous because they are saved, but they have strayed from the Saviour, from the Scripture, and as a result are now teaching doctrines of devils, 1 Timothy chapter 4, abstaining from marriage, abstaining from foods, going back to Acts chapter 15, 
and the Lord's half-brother was saved, but was also temporarily guilty of being a heretic. Simon Peter, again, a saved Jew, temporarily guilty of being a heretic until Paul arrived and dealt with uh, Simon Peter. And we hope that somebody approached James, the Lord's half-brother, and dealt with him. So yes, you can be saved and still be a heretic. But it's my belief, and don't quote me, but it's my belief that most heretics that I'm aware of and have been observing uh, for 16 years now are not really Christians. They are fakes. Uh, they have the right lingo. They say the right things. They come across in the right way, but they don't really believe what they say. Going back to one statement of faith. Yes, we believe they say in the Trinity, but they don't really believe it. Or yes, we believe in the blood of Christ, but they don't really believe it. Or yes, we believe in the Bible, but they don't really believe it. And as a result, they are liars, deceivers. Going back to Titus chapter 1, and they subvert not only entire houses, but in some cases, entire countries. And that's why it says over Matthew chapter 7, how many, not just some, not just a few, but how many will say to me in that day, great white throne judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, done many wonderful works in thy name, cast out devils in thy name. That deals with the Catholics, the Calvinists, and the Charismatics. Catholics, Calvinists, Charismatics, the three terrible seas. And he turns around and says to those people, but I never knew you. Not I once knew you, but I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Meaning you were perpetually working iniquity. Yes, you may have gone to mass. You may have gone to your church or your kingdom hall, your steakhouse. But you were never really born again. You were never regenerated. You're like the Pharisees that were going around looking down their noses at the Lord and his apostles. Very righteous, like I say, outwardly. They dressed a particular way like priests dress a particular way, like bishops dress a particular way, like a lot of fundamentalists and JWs and Mormons dress a particular way. And he says, yes, outwardly, you're very pious, you're very righteous. You're very smartly dressed, but internally you are dead in a spiritual sense, like dead men's bones. Never saved to begin with. So I will say this and close that if you want to be saved, or if you're not sure that you are saved, or if you are saved and you've got involved with heresy, maybe you are into modalism, maybe you are into the oneness position, maybe you no longer believe in uh, sola scriptura, sola fide. Maybe you, are t uh, maybe you are teaching something contrary to faith alone or something against scripture alone. You need to repent of that. Just stop doing it. Just stop doing it. Put the brakes on and turn back to the Lord. First John chapter 1 says, if we confess our sins, and yes, it is sinful to attack the triunity of God. Yes, it is sinful to attack faith alone. And yes, it is sinful 
to attack scripture alone. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. So do that if you are saved and, you, and you've drifted away from the Lord and here comes the rain again. And if you're not saved, just reach out. Turn to him. You can be on your knees. You can be standing up. You can be driving. You can be stationary. Just believe on him. Just receive him. Just take him by faith. Take him at his word. And this is over in uh, John uh, chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1. Uh, to as many as received him, to them gave he power, authority uh, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the source of the new birth comes from God. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe. No Mary, no priest, no preacher, no prophet, no Bible school, even to them that believe on his name, which are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. So out goes Catholicism, out goes the isms, the heretics, the false religions, and the focus is exclusively on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.